It's actually how you respond to these things that form your life. So you are not a helpless and passive object of the destiny that is just placed upon you. And all things that happen to your life, you have nothing to do do with it. And you're just kind of like floating along with it. And at the end, that's your destiny. I don't think that's an accurate picture of how our lives are supposed to be in the Lord. You are an active subject that responds to the things that happen in your life. The Bible calls us to pray to the Lord, call unto him, bring him our needs, and he responds accordingly, right? And we definitely have an active part in this journey that's called life. And I think it's important, yeah, to identify what's happening to my life. Yeah, that has a lot of power and authority, but how you respond, how you live with those challenges and things that come, that's even more important. That's what shapes your life. That's what brought you to where you are today. So simply put this, you cannot control what's happening in your life. Can you control it? You cannot control car accidents. You cannot control what comes into your life, what leaves your life. A lot of things are not in our hands, but you can't control what happens in your life. But you can definitely control how you respond to what happens to your life. For example... You know, people that go through similar things. Let's talk about some uh, maybe major events like adoption. I find it very fascinating. A lot of people that were adopted out of Korea, they found their homes in America. A lot of them are white Christian families, right? They have such radically different experiences at each home. I mean, granted, they all went to different homes, but even the twins that go into the same home grew up under the same white Christian family, they have, the twins could have different perception and that adoption that happened when they were young affects their lives in different ways. Like one could have a really positive understanding of it. Man, adoption and through that, I understand how God adopted me into his family. You know, it, it works in a positive way, but in another, another sense that the other one could suffer from uh, feeling of abandonment. My parents abandoned me. So same things could happen to the individuals, but then the way they respond is very different. Simply put, again, some people become victims. Other people become victors over the same challenges or the things that happen to your life. Sounds very similar. Victims, victors. But victors, is that how I say it? Victors? 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 (laughs) Victims and victors, it's very similar, but they are completely opposites, right? So I'm going to talk about that today. Everyone say victors, Victors. not victims. victims. Romans chapter 8, this is my favorite chapter of the Bible. And verse 37, I'll read it for you. It says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Love this verse. No, it starts very strongly. And in all these things, it refers to the things that were mentioned uh, in the verse above. I will will list them for you. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword. These are the things that are mentioned. And then following, Apostle Paul says, no, in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. And I think it's very significant that he said, you are more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror, not just a victor, but you are more than one. And that's what we are going to talk about today. And who likes here tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and sore. I hope none of you like nakedness, okay? Uh, None of these things that are mentioned here are anything positive. These are things that we fear. These are the things that we are afraid of. These are the things that if it comes to your life, you are going to be somewhat affected. These are some serious, negative, horrible things that may happen to your life. But Apostle Paul is so confident, no, in all these things, in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. And I will break down how this word comes, comes, comes alive in your life and how we could live that out in our daily lives. Are you guys ready? ready. So you got to get this. The Bible calls you victors. It's just given fact. If you are in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. 
It's not something that you have to attain as your status, but it is who you are. Bible calls you more than a conqueror. You are already a victor. And you got to get that into your mind because sometimes you will feel like a victim. But then you got to remember, no, the word of God calls me and labeled me as a victor already. And that's who I am. That is my name tag. That's something that does not change. That is my identity. So you are already a victor. And that's our starting point, which is a good news. That's not something you got to go and attain or, you know, buy or earn. It is the status that you are in already. Amen? Amen. So those who are in Christ Jesus must be, must be bound to the mentality of a victor. And this is the statement that I always, always say in my head. You guys need to follow this, okay? Not right now, but when you're alone, okay? (laughs) I always say this. No one has the authority to take away God's destiny from me. Whenever someone comes to me and attacks me, whenever someone comes into my life and tries to harm me or with an evil intent, whatever, I always remind myself, no one has authority to take away God's destiny from me. You don't have that. So I just let it go. You know, that's the mentality of a victor. If you have a victim mentality, what are you going to think? Is this person going to come into my life and ruin my life? Is this person going to come in and harm me, destroy me, you know, cause me harms? That's the mentality of a victim. But victors don't think like that. No one can take away God's destiny from me. It is set. And if anything, more than that, I always go, go, go further than that. If anything, thank you to the enemies. Hey, thank you. If anything, you are here and the attacks that come will help me get there faster. Praise Jesus. Furnace is meant to not torture me. It's meant to refine me. It's going to make me a gold, and golder than gold sometimes, because the furnace is very hot, right? And that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, troubles came in. You brought in some problems and issues into my life and some stress, but you don't have any authority to take away God's destiny from me. And thank you for making me get there quicker. You are expediting, is that a word? My journey to my destiny. Thank you. That's got to be the victor's mentality. And that's what we need to anchor ourselves in. So living as more than a conqueror, it begins with, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, it starts with living like a victor daily. Like living like a victor today. Like right now. Living like a victor daily. You know, things happen in your life every single day. Some days are just routine, nothing special happened. But some days, bad things happen, good things happen. You know, you go through your mundane daily life, and we got to learn and train ourselves to live like a victor in our daily lives. Um, How much authority each event carries is definitely up to you. You determine that. So I'm going to talk about this more, but my tendency is, guys, today is a good day. You know why? Because the sky is blue. Okay? I have a tendency to give so much authority to weather. First thing I do, I open up the blind and I look up the sky. And if it's blue, you know, those fluffy, pretty um, clouds, that's a happy day. You know, like given. And it, it changes the way I dress, what I pick out, where I wear makeup. You know, the weather is good. It's a good day. Man, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to have fun. But then if it's rainy... Foggy, cloudy, Uh uh-oh, man, I wake up, I don't want to even shower, I don't want to go out, I don't want to go to work. Does anybody like me? I'm kind of spoiled like that, so weather affects me very greatly. And this past week, uh, I took a trip down to Namhae, I live in Seoul, okay? So me and my two of my friends, we decided to take a road trip down to this beautiful city in the southern shore of Korea, Namhae, and then we were praying hard into the weather because it was supposed to be thunderstorms. You know the, the storm that came? Uh, Busan was a little bit affected, right? But then like Nameh was smack in the middle of it. So it was like passing through. So we were like praying, God, this trip's going to be ruined if it's going to be thunderstorm. And we got to drive down there. And uh, it was our, her, uh, my friend's first time for long distance driving. So we were kind of nervous about that too. So we're like, man, God, you got to really give us good weather. And then the morning came. We woke up and saw it beautiful, amazing, right? We're like, woo, God, listen to our prayers. And on the way down, we're passing through Daejeon. It starts to rain, you know? 
and it's like cloudy, and it's getting darker and darker, foggy, and we stopped it, uh, and and we had to really decide, especially me, you know, am I gonna let and allow rain to ruin my trip, or am I gonna just say, no, this is gonna be an amazing trip, mm-hmm. the whole throughout, you know, even if it's stormy, rainy, foggy, we don't see anything in the ocean, it's still gonna be a good trip. I'm having a great time with my friends. And I really had to determine in my mind, and that's what I did. I said, you know what? God, I'm gonna stop praying for the weather. I don't even care. It's gonna be a good trip either way, and I'm gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be a good trip. And guess what? It was the best vacation ever. Really. It was a most really, really great trip. Also, the weather uh, got better the following days. We were able to enjoy the beach a little bit. It was really great. And another thing that happened on the way down, though, we were at a rest stop. So there was like the early, you know, it was like a first rest rest stop on the way down. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's get out and then grab some coffee and then come back. So we parked, stopped the car, parked, and then uh, the girl in the passenger seat, uh, she opened the car door. But then this girl was driving into the parking lot, and she didn't see her, and my friend didn't see the car. So she opened it, and then the door got stuck into the body of the car that was driving in. So it got stuck like that, right? So we were like, uh, it was like this for like a good 20 seconds. Like nobody knew what to do. Like, uh, and we couldn't close it. We couldn't open it. So we ended up taking pictures, and she was kind of like very mean to us saying, you know that it's 100% your fault. And then she wouldn't, like, talk to us. She walked away and started smoking cigarettes over there. And we were kind of like, is it really our fault? We didn't know for sure. It was our first accident ever, so we didn't know what to do. And we were getting stressed out. And girl was feeling bad because it was, like, 9 in the morning. It's the start of the trip. And something like this happens. And the tendency is to think, man, what's up with this trip? You know, the weather is all bad and... um. Man, accident happened. What? You know, but then, again, that's the point of decision making. Are you going to let that, what happened in the morning, to ruin your trip? Or are you going to give it absolutely no authority and just move on? Like, this is still an amazing trip. Right. You know, praise God that nobody got hurt. Praise God that it wasn't a major damage. Praise God that we had the short-term insurance that we got before the trip and all that stuff. So we decided right when we got back into the car, this is a good day, guys. This is a good day, girls. Let's really enjoy God's presence. Let's worship him for uh, how, how it wasn't a major accident. And we, we moved on and it really didn't affect us. So through these examples, are you guys with me? It really is a decision. You know, it's like how much authority you want to give to that event. That's what determines like the, the rest of the day. So, you know, we have those days in the morning. Just, things just don't work out. You just miss your bus and then you miss your train. And then you had a, 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 like, like a quarrel with your coworker. You know, Delia's testimony about having a bad co-teacher, co-worker, bad work relationships, or traffic on the way to work, or people that um, have your pet peeves bothering you, all those things. There are many, many things that could possibly move us from the place of joy and peace, but I'm here to say that you cannot control, but what you could control is how you respond to those things around you. None of these things have the power to make your day bad. Really, they really don't. They, none of those things can make your day bad. Only you have the authority to call it a bad day. You say, I'm just having a bad day. You called it a bad day. God didn't make it a Okay? You guys know the song? The, um, it's actually a Bible verse. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm glad in it. Right? Right? You're going to give more authority to that song. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I shall rejoice and be glad in it. That's the authority of my life, so this is a good day. Only you can call it a bad day. Only you can do that. So stop doing that. <laughs> so we have given too much authority to the things that don't deserve it at all. You know, what are those strangers that are bothering you on the subway? Why did you, why did you give those ajumas so much authority? ruin your day 
This ashram is so bothersome. Like, can't stand them. They don't have the authority. You just gave them the authority in your heart. Learn to train yourself. Train yourself to live like a victor daily. Don't let those things push you over. But you determine what's going to affect me, what's not. Amen? Amen. Very good. Um, I want to mention this. We uh, have a very interestingly mixed crowd here. I'm just going to say it. Uh, good example. Um, <laughs> all grown-ups, right? So I could talk about some female stuff, right? Um, so brothers, you all eventually get married. So just get over it and um, take it as a wisdom, okay? Um, one of the mission trips that I've been on, uh, I realized that the dates fall right on my, it's a week-long mission trip. And I realized that, oh, that week is my um, female magic week, right? <laughs> Brothers, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so females go through uh, this menstrual cycle that brothers don't, okay? So something magical happens to us that you will never find out, okay? Um, anyways, and I was, I was so upset. Because mission trip dates are not going to change, and my circle's not going to change. So I was like, dang it, it's going to be a bad trip, you know? Oh, it's going to be, you know? Okay, TMI. Anyway, so I was like, man, that trip's going to be bad. And I was pretty disappointed as we were preparing for the trip, and I was grumbling about it the whole time. And then God gave me a, God like spoke to me. He was like, no, I wake up. It's not the cursed week, it's the blessed week. Get out of the mentality and mindset and don't turn. You know, if you calculate it, it's like 20% to 25% of your entire life as female. Um, get rid of the before cycle days and after menopause days. Then it's like literally 20 25% of your female life as an adult, right? And if you label them as cursed five to seven days, that I don't enjoy doing anything for those five days, that's like such a waste of time. What are you doing? It's a blessed day, blessed week that you can do anything and everything, Christ Jesus, and it's not going to affect you. And you, know, you have those products that's going to help you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so what I'm saying is, don't you dare label that week as bad week or cursed week. Those are blessed week. Don't give it so much authority that it's not, it's, it's causing you to have trouble enjoying your daily life. All the, all the girls say, it's a good day. day. Come on, it's gonna be a good, it's good week, okay? (laughs) So, you know, that's just one of the examples, but I just noticed so many sisters are putting curses over their body. It's just a sign that you are going to have a healthy pregnancy. You're all going to be mommies in the future, right? It's a sign that your body's functioning in a God-made way. You know, who are you to call that a cursed week or whatever? You know what I'm saying? So just make sure you stop doing that. Come on. Come on. Amen. Oh. Loudest command that came from a brother. (laughs) Live like a victor. Doesn't matter what comes into your day, you have the authority to call it a good day. Isn't isn't this a good day today? So if you train yourself this way, you will not be able to you will you will be able to handle some real difficult situations. You know? So some heavier and bigger things happen to your life, you'll be able to overcome it with ease. But then if you don't train yourself and then you always depend on the weather sucks, my life sucks. If you go into that pattern, then when something that's slightly heavier, more, um, more difficult happens to you, you're going to get easily crushed. And that's not the life that God designed for you. So train yourself to always live as a victor, one that is victorious every day. Amen. Second thing. Um, second thing, if you're taking notes, you could write down this. Fight the victim inside of you. Fight the victim in you. Fight the victim in you. So victim mentality, I explained it a little bit earlier. <laughs> None of the brothers are making eye contact with me anymore. <laughs> Let's let that go and make some eye contact, everybody. Okay. Um, fight the victim in you. What I'm talking about is... You know, I talked about victim mentality earlier, and I believe everyone at one point of your life 
goes through these things. Even little children have lived with this. Victim mentality is so-and-so came into my life and damaged and ruined and destroyed this part or that part of my life. Uh, I'm this way because of that person. I'm this way because of my father. I'm this way because of my family, uh, because they're poor. I'm this way because, because of that person, this person, all that stuff. So sort of like a blaming game in a sense, but uh, everybody is, no one is immune to this, okay? Let me... I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to bring guilt upon anyone. Everyone is uh, susceptible. Everyone could fall into this at, at a certain point of their lives. But victim mentality, if you look at it in a deeper spiritual way, it refuses, they, they refuse to be redeemed or come, they refuse to come out of it. They want to overcome it, but in a sense, they don't want to come out of it because they, that gives you the excuse it legitimizes why you act a certain way. It justifies why you are showing those issues and problems. And you don't want to lose those excuses, you know? So if you don't have any excuses, it just becomes your fault, right? So people don't want to be in that situation. So um, in, in a way, they want to get out of it and overcome it. But the, in a way, they, they want to remain in their place. And a lot of have a, people have a hard time. And if you are under that bondage or uh, the victim mentality long enough, what happens is it becomes part of your identity. It becomes so attached to who you are that it's so hard to let go. You know, it almost feels like if I let this go, I'm going to be someone else. I feel like I'm going to become someone else. And the fear is really um, trapping them in that, um, in that pattern of thinking as a victim. And it starts bleeding to different areas. At the beginning, you were just a victim by this incident in this area. It bleeds into every other area of your life. You know, oh, because of that, this happened. And then on top of it, this happened. On top of it, this happened. And you become the biggest victim in the entire world. Have you guys ever met people like that? Or know, know someone like that? Or maybe you have some signs of that. Maybe. <laughs> then because they, at the beginning, they have resentment toward the offender, whatever the incident was. Um, it's horrible things. I'm not talking about some like, easy things, you know, like bullying, rape, um, family abuse, and things like that. Uh, at the beginning, you hold resentment toward the offender. But then, as people grow and you're able to think, now that develops into resentment toward God. God, if you're Emmanuel, and if my life is truly in your hand, why did you let me go through that? Don't you know that, that thing was horrible in my life, and you were there with me? Why did you let me go through that? And that causes their hearts to be resentful against God. Some people are aware of it. Some people are not aware of it sometimes. And um, unless you overcome this victim mentality, um, you really can't fully live out your life as a victor. Obviously, because they are completely opposite ends, right? If you want to live as a more than a conqueror in your life, you gotta overcome and fight the victim that is inside of you, whatever area that is in. So the the, the keys that uh, helped me overcome the victim mentality. Obviously, I struggled with this for a long, long time. And uh, the the things that really helped me was number one, the the fact that the revelation that God sees a bigger picture. What we see is only the damage. What we see is only the harm that has done to me. What we see is only what happened in the past and present. But you got to understand, God sees the future. He holds the future, and he sees a bigger picture of how this is going to be turned into. That leads to my second point, that he is good, and he turns everything into good. So that's what really set me free when I was so stuck in my victim mentality that God could turn anything so horrible and miserable into something so beautiful and amazing. Um, for example, like a, the, the best example is a cross of Jesus Christ. You know, people wear it as a necklace. People have tattoos of cross. And, you know, cross is like the Christian jewelry, right? Everybody loves it. Everybody wears it. Everybody adorn, adorns their uh, their houses with crosses, right? But if you really think what it really is, it's a tool that's created to torture and to execute people to death penalty. That's what it is. So put in American context, it's electronic chair. Electric chair. <laughs> yes. 
the electric chair. How many of you will put that up on the wall as a decoration for holidays? Yay, this is a little cute electric chair that I bought for decoration for Thanksgiving, everybody. This is my new necklace of this electric chair. You know, that, you know it's a horrible thing. Nobody will ever do that, but think about it. Cross is essentially what it is. Cross was the most horrible thing, blood-covered cross that's created to torture and kill people. And now we wear that thinking this is the most beautiful thing in the world. That's what Jesus did. He took the most horrible thing, turned it into the most beautiful and glorious thing ever. That's how God's power manifests, right? So whatever happened in your life, I mean, it could be extremely painful, horrible, measurable thing, but God has the ability to turn it into something beautiful and good. And he will. If you trust in the Lord, Trust me, he is good. He wants to be good to you. His desire is the best thing for you. And he will turn it into your good. Amen? Let's really keep those things in mind as we move on to the next point. So fight the victim in you and kind of connect. But I really, really love this story. In 1 Samuel, my favorite story in this book is David and Goliath. Everybody knows this story, right? But I'll just summarize it for you. So it's one of the battles where Israelites were terrified about. This Philistine army came with the champion, ESV Bible calls him Champion Goliath, the Philistine. So he was huge guy, pretty, pretty tall. I don't know how tall, but really tall guy. Um, uh, Goliath was a warrior. He was a big dude. And then um, long story short, David... Back then, it was right after his anointing. Uh, he was anointed to be the future king, but he was a mere shepherd boy. He was small, and he was just playing with his sheep. And then he got called into the battlefield, and he's got to fight this Goliath, the huge building-sized guy, right? And everybody's terrified. Everyone's saying, oh, my gosh, we're going to be destroyed. And here he comes, and the king Saul at the time, he's trying to give him his royal armors, right? The sword and then the fancy, like, protections or whatever. And then King Saul puts it on David. But David's a little boy, you know. I'm sure he was in shape, though, because shepherds, they walk around a lot, right? <laughs> so he puts them on, but then because he never tested those armors, it just doesn't work, right? So David puts them away. You know what? I don't need these. I'm just going to go fight him with five smooth stones. And then he picks up five smooth stones with a slingshot, and then he goes out to the battle, and then Goliath comes out, and he starts cursing him and ridicule him, right? You small little boy, am I a dog? You come to me with a stick? You know, and then David gives this beautiful speech, you know, I come with the Spirit of God. You guys can read it later. And then he goes, here's my one shot. And then he, he slingshotted the smooth stone. It goes right into the forehead of Goliath. And then he, that one shot just kills him. And he's just, face, he's just face planted, right? And he dies. So David killed Goliath. That's a beautiful, glorious story. Um <laughs> Yeah, the shepherd boy just killed the champion, the giant, the enemy, Goliath, with the one smooth stone, right? And this is what's really incredible. I need you guys to turn there, actually, with me. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. Verses 50 to 54. So we're picking it up right after Goliath fell on his face. Are you guys there? Verse 50, I'll read it for you. Uh, This is ESV. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of his sheaths. What? <laughs> Sheath. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Sheath. Um, and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistine as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron, so that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from... Shh, that's enough. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so this is what 
happen? I think there's an amazing, amazing insight in this. Okay, stay with me. Oh, you're laughing at my jokers. <laughs> She's filling my sermon right now. Okay, this is what happened. This Bible says David didn't have a sword. Only thing he had was stones and the slingshot, right? And what happens is he comes over, prevails over Goliath's dead body, climbs up, and he took the sword of Goliath, takes it out of that covered thing, and then cut off the head of Goliath with that very sword. This is remarkable, okay? The Bible tells us no weapon formed against you will prosper. In Isaiah, it means weapon will be formed against you. Oh, it's pretty much telling you, hey, there will be weapons that's going to be formed against you. It's going to be forged against you, but it will not prevail over you. It will not prosper against you. If you look at this story, this is a picture. Goliath came at it with the majestic sword, but then who ended up using it? David went over, prevailed him, took the sword, and then cut off the head of the enemy. So the weapon was forced, formed against me, but who ended up using it? Oh, I used it to cut off your head. Amen? Amen. Cut off the head with the very sword that came against me. The sword that was formed to harm me, to damage my life, to destroy me. And I pick up that sword and I kill you. That's powerful. Not not you, but kill him. (laughs) And you're not just killing any enemy. It says champion. David killed a champion. What happens? You know, if you kill a champion, if you prevail over a champion, you get the champion belt. It becomes yours, right? And now David, I mean, at this time, he didn't have a champion belt, whatever. But he killed the warrior, the champion, Goliath. And now David, the little boy, is the champion over this dude, right? And um, in the same way, if you think about it, things were forged against you. Enemy formed weapons against your life to destroy you, to harm you, to cause you to stop growing in the Lord, to hinder you from destinies of God. But those, those weapons were formed against you, but it will not prevail. What's going to end up happening is that thing that was created to harm you, you will pick it up and you're going to kill the enemy with it. It's not going to touch you. You will use that very thing to kill the enemy. And that's a powerful description of a conqueror. But then the Bible says what? More than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You now have the champion belt. Okay, David's now standing over this dead body and holding up the head of the Goliath. And I think this is a beautiful picture of a more than a conqueror. Because see, see what happened. Verse 52, we just read it. When he lifted up that head, what happens? The army, the Israelites were encouraged They saw that, wow, this little boy killed the very champion Goliath. He just killed him with the very sword, and he's standing with that head. It's more than conqueror because he's causing others to rise up as the conquerors as well. Those little chickens, is that a bad word? Chickens, they were scared and afraid. They were about to run for their lives. And because when they saw that victory, they stood up and started going after all these Philistines to, to very far land and ended up killing off Everybody, right? You're not just like rising up to yourself, to your fame. You're not just becoming, oh, I'm the champion. What happens is you're making others do the same thing. They were running after all these enemies. It was a powerful picture. And that's the victory that is described here. So you cause others to do the same. That's, I think, the picture of more than a conqueror. Not just being healed and delivered. Now I'm okay with my trauma. No. Not only that, you killed that enemy with the very weapon that was formed against you. And now you're going to use that to raise up other people. To deliver and heal other people. To minister to other people. You lift up the testimony of a dead enemy and you say, see, I conquered. And you, God will do the same in your life. You know, this powerfully manifests when I do my ministry as well. I... I lived a pretty smooth and um, comfortable life in Korea. But however, I struggled with two major, in two major areas. One was, um, so I call my struggles, it's like, kind of like, it's funny to remember. It's bully bully. Everyone say bully bully. 
So number one, I was bullied really bad when I was in middle school, and then I had bulimia when I was uh, in high school and college. So I put them together, and it's bully, bully, right? Anyways, these two things, I now talk like this, but it was devastating. I was suicidal at one point. I wanted to take my own life, okay? When I was bullied really bad in this city, a brutal city of Busan, Busan girls don't play, okay? When they bully, they bully. (laughs) And they are fearless, okay? And those girls were like, they came after me. They were my best friends, by the way. Five of my best friends turned against me and they attacked me. Entire school came after me too. You know, cursed me out, took my money, you know, physically, any, everything. You could, you know, you saw it in the Korean dramas and whatnot. That's what happened. And then that's what caused me to shut my heart. I was afraid of any human being and I couldn't be free. I heard demonic voices that told me to kill myself and I attempted once, but by God's grace, I didn't die. All that stuff happened, okay? But um, that put, I'm trying to keep it really short. That put a yearning in my heart to be forgiven. So what happened was I bullied one of the girls that bullied me first. So I was a bully first. So it's bully, 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 okay? So bully, I was a bully at the beginning, and I bullied one of the girls pretty bad. And that girl and other girls got on me. So when I realized, oh my goodness, what I did to her at the beginning was a horrible thing I didn't know. So at that point, I just wanted one thing. I didn't want them to be my friends again. I didn't, you know, the only thing I wanted was, you know what? You don't have to be my friends again. I just want you to forgive me. And I remember this particular day, lunch break, entire school, like 200 girls came to my classroom to watch those girls bully me, okay? And I couldn't take it anymore. So I got on my knees in a school hallway. And then I begged for forgiveness. That's just one thing I cared about at that point. I just want to be forgiven. I don't care. You could keep bullying me. It's okay. But I just need you to forgive me for the terrible thing that I did to you. This yearning for forgiveness. And she looked at me with teary eyes and she said, no, I can't. I will never be able to forgive you. But don't do it. Don't do it again to anyone else. And he, she just walked away. And that was the end of my relationship with her. And that devastated me because that guilt, the shame that I felt in my heart was so horrible and so heavy that I just couldn't believe the fact that she would never forgive me. She would hold it against me for a lifetime. And I was carrying that weight until I met Jesus. Came to college, I heard the gospel for the first time. And then I heard that this man, Jesus, who took the sin of the entire world, including me bullying my friends, and I heard that Jesus wants to forgive me. Not only for that moment, but for every single thing that I did in my life that was horrible, I heard Jesus, this man, my Savior, wants to forgive me of all of them. Guess what I, what I said? I got to meet him right now. I want to be forgiven. And that's how I came into the kingdom. See how it was an evil thing, you know? It was not a cool thing. But then years later, how God turned that into my salvation story. And how, how God causes my heart to preach about forgiveness to other people, you know? And another bully, 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 another bully was bulimia. I was bulimic every, um, uh, age 15 to 22. For about six years, I was uh, severely bulimic, eating disorder, um, hitting myself. I would uh, vomit and throw out anything and everything I ate. I uh, thought I was the ugliest girl in the world. I thought no one would ever like me. Uh, I was massively under bondage, okay? Hating myself to gain popularity, to look more beautiful, to have more friends. I will eat normally in front of people, and I will go to the bathroom. I will just throw up everything. For six years, it tor- it's a torture. Um, I was losing my voice. I have a huge scar on my hand, all these things. But God, long story short, at the end, with a simple prayer of a sister who is now my spiritual mother and uh, the, the co-lead pastor of this church, Pastor Erin. Uh, she was just an on me at church back then. And she just simply prayed for me. There was no manifestation. There was no like anointing flowing, nothing. It was just in the middle of church cleaning. She prayed for me and it set me free. From that night on, I was never bulimic ever again. <laughs> I still don't know how that happened. And then Holy Spirit started to move and I was able to see myself with the eyes of God. The way I'm truly created to be, I mean, nothing changed on my face. My body didn't really change, but then I couldn't, I couldn't deny the fact that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And now I spend too much time staring at myself in the mirror. I gotta stop. Um, but see, God do, God does wonders, you know? And my point is this. I went through these things, but now I have those swords in my hands. Whenever someone comes up to me and says, hey, I've been struggling with bulimia, anorexia, eating disorder, distorted image, body image, uh, self-hatred, I have the sword and I have the ability to set them free. I'm not saying only I have the sword, but because I've gone through the same battle, I know the lies, I know how life feels like, I know your daily life, so I speak for it and I just cut the change, uh, change, not chains, and uh, I set people free left and right. If you have this eating disorder, come talk to me, okay? Same thing, bullying. If people feel ostracized, people feel uh, I, I don't belong anywhere, people hate me, relational, whatever, whatever, bullying, I can minister to them with power. You know, if you only have victim mentality and went through all these things, what you will do is when people will share, Lydia will share about, yeah, I feel bullied at seaside, nobody likes me, whatever, let's say she says that, then I will tell her, oh, that sucks. I've gone through the same thing. That's going to be it. That's all I'm going to say. I know, I understand. It's just going to be a pity party. I will only be able to empathize with her. But if you have overcome that, and if you really truly live as a more than a conqueror, you're not only healed and delivered yourself, but you're going to lead people, cause people to take on the same journey, and you will make another victor yourself. Come on, Lydia. You're not, you're not alone. You are loved and accepted and celebrated. This family loves you. I'm going to speak forth the truth, and I'll create another victor that's going to fight the battle with me. So that's the power. That's what God calls us. You are more than a conqueror. Maybe you have gone through some things. And maybe you received some healing and deliverance in your heart. But maybe you're just keeping it as a secret in your heart. Because you're thinking, what's the good about it? You know, now that I'm not tortured by it, so I'm fine. But no, don't think that way. Everything that you went through that was horrible, you are not alone. There are people that are struggling with it right now around you. And what God is calling you to do is to share the testimony. Lift up that head of Goliath and tell them, no, God's going to overcome it. You are a victor. You're more than a conqueror. That's what you are called to do. And that's who you are. So don't keep it hidden. Lift up that head and then let the world know what God has done and reproduce the testimony of yours. The third point, I kind of just went for it. Third point is pick up the sword for others, not just for yourself. Pick up the sword for others. And sometimes you should just feel when the challenges come, you should just be honored and encouraged. Man, attacks are coming. That just means, like Pastor Mina said earlier, oh man, I'm a target. There is a weapon that is being forced, formed against me, but that's not going to touch me. They will end up in my hand. I'm going to gain another tool, another weapon. Hallelujah. I'm going to fight the battle, and that's mine. That's the mentality that you got to carry. The greater your destiny is, there will come difficulties and challenges, and things will hit you, but are you going to give it the authority to destroy you? No, you won't. You will declare, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to overcome and not stop there, but I will reproduce that to other people and to my community. I'm just going to end with this. This is exactly what Jesus did. He is the true conqueror. He is the true victor. He's the one that came. He took all our sin. He became, he gave us the victory so that we don't have to earn it. So you have the weapon. Remember David? He didn't need the royal armor or whatever that was unfamiliar to him. Maybe you are thinking, for me to overcome this problem to this issue, I need some special anointed man and woman of God to come lay hands. Some of that is true, and if, if, let it be so. But you don't need something special to come upon you to defeat this enemy. It's powerful because David defeated the enemy, the champion, with simply what he had. Simply what was given to him. And he was able to fight. He was able to overcome. Right? So don't feel like you just got to wait around forever for this moment of deliverance to come. No, God has given you the keys. God has given you the weapon. You have what it takes. You really don't lack anything in your life. So I know 
all of you are in different areas, different stages of your life. In your struggles with bondages, maybe you are ready to pick up the sword. Maybe you yourself need to get out of the victim mentality. Maybe you, all of this just went over your head. I don't know. But at any stage you are in, I want you to take this verse into your heart that you are more than a conqueror. In all these things, you're not a victim, but you are a victor. That you are more than a conqueror, and that is your destiny. That's what you're heading to. Amen? I'm just going to pray for you guys quickly. Can you turn off the AC for me, please? I'm just going to invite you guys to just close your eyes and take a moment to respond to this word. Man. I just want you to pray for yourself at this hour. Just think about your daily life first. Uh, the first thing that I touched upon was how to live like a victor on a daily basis. Identify the things that bother you. Identify the things that ruin your days. Identify the things that makes you say, this is a bad day. But I want you to completely shift out of it. Whether that's work relationship, whether that's a pet peeve of yours, whatever that may be, whether... Just declare that each day, it will be a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a good day. I'm not going to give authority to other things. I'm not going to give authority to these things that happened to me, but I'm going to control. I'm going to take control, and I'm not going to allow those things to attack me any longer. I just want you to identify one thing. One thing. Whatever that may be, could be something small or big. I want you to just think about that. And I want you to just declare that has no authority over me any longer. That has no authority over my days any longer. Each day, I will rejoice. It's a good day. Could be an anxiety. Could be an area of finances, your debt. I don't know what it is. Maybe some relationship that you're in. But I want you to identify the one thing and I just declare Declare that it has no authority over me. It's a good day. It's a good day. Can we take a moment to pray together?